afternoon, everyone, or good morning, I should say. Uh, welcome to Classic Elder Scrolls. Today's record date is Sundas, Frostfall the Fifth, and I am your your host and fellow Tamrielic traveler here in Oblivion, Ivarwin, and I am joined by the uh, the wonderful, the knowledgeable, the illustrious Mike. Hello, everybody. So, are you enjoying your Sunday morning? Hopefully. I am currently enjoying it with a little pumpkin spice coffee from my Keurig coffee maker. How about oh, I that? I love the Keurigs. <laughs> they're awesome, aren't they? Yes, they are. We have two of them at work. Oh, they're amazing. And, uh, and of course, the, the Tamrielic historian himself and member of a secret order, Mark. Hey everyone! Hope, uh, hope everyone's enjoying the day. So, so Mark, what is this this uh, secret order that you are uh, a member of? Well, it's called the Cenarist Guild, and basically, uh, they exist in uh, in the world in order to justify having the cheat book. <laughs> uh, Basically, if you had a copy of uh, Daggerfall, the original jewel case came with an insert for the the Daggerfall Chronicles. You could unfold it, and it gave you a map to the first dungeon, Privateer's Hold. And it then actually had on the inside as well a little. Well, I'll just read the blurb. Uh yeah. Actually, let's yeah. Uh, let's give us yeah give us one yeah. second while we uh, we say hello to the chat room. Hi, chat room. <laughs> Thanks for coming on in, guys. Uh, we're in front of Nocturnal Shrine in um, in Oblivion, and uh, we're actually going after the uh, Skeleton Key here. Yep, uh, we've all heard enough of Varwin's uh, sob stories of uh, broken <laughs> lockpicks, mm-hmm. so we're going to cure him of that right now, today. Today. It'll be his favorite questline from this point forward, <laughs> if for no other reason that he won't be cursing and throwing his mouse and keyboard across the room. <laughs> Yeah, we just we just had to do this intervention. It was getting kind of pathetic. Brego you know, sent yeah. us an email saying, "Please help me. It's very scary when he picks locks." Oh, Brego, did that happen? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, our show is sponsored in part by Tweaked Audio, tweakedaudio.com, quality headphones, and you get 30% off your order with our code off the record all at tweakedaudio.com and by Audible audibletrial.com slash quest gaming network that's the link you're going to need in order to download your free audiobook today that's audibletrial.com slash quest gaming network and uh let's see um mike would you mind uh letting everyone know exactly what uh where how to reach us okay so we are live sundays at 11 a.m eastern time at twitch.tv slash quest gaming network all one word you can email us at questgamingnetwork, all one word, at gmail.com. You can find us at questgamingnetwork.com with our new very, very smexy uh, website. <laughs> you can follow us at Elder Scrolls OTR on uh, Twitter, facebook.com slash questgamingnetwork, once again, all one word, and at Google uh, with google.com slash plus the plus sign. Uh, Quest Gaming Network. Once again, all one word. So, all one tons word. of ways. All right. Well, what I'm going to do is uh, just so we get things underway, um, because this is going to be, uh, you know, you have road movies 
well, this is going to be like a road game stream, you know, where, where we're going to be on the road mostly just sort of traveling and talking and, and hanging out and trying to complete this quest. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to get this quest first, and then we're going to move on our way and, and uh, talk about what we're going to uh, be talking about and introducing through uh, through the rest of the show. So what do I do, guys? Just talk to uh, Nocturnal talk right here? to the people around it, and then I believe you pray at the statue of Nocturnal. Okay. And God forbid that ugly orc, you know. Oh, she's hot. <laughs> what's, what's up, baby? What is your business in this place? My business is hanging out with you, girl. I'm here you to sell you some proactive for your green place. skin. <laughs> Do you believe yourself worthy to speak to Nocturnal? Totally worthy. Totally worthy. Like, you have no idea how worthy I am. <laughs> I'm only passing through. I wish to approach the shrine. Perhaps you have been summoned. Perhaps. Perhaps Nocturnal desires your service and has guided you here. Approach. All right. What's up now, Let's baby? Get it on. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some bear wet, baby. Mm-hmm. I like the way I can totally look up your nose just by staring directly at your face. <laughs> 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 I don't think anyone says that. Right among the strangers. Totally scary. Secrets in the dark. Nocturnal is here, but my eye is blind and drowned, stolen from its shrine and hid in dark waters. To steal from a god is most unwise. In Leoin, two Argonians think themselves secret, but the eye has seen them. Find these thieves in the city that spans the waters. Learn where they hide, my eye. Retrieve the eye of nocturnal mortal, and return it to me, and I shall look favorably upon you. Alright. When summoned, Nocturnal spoke to me of the Eye of Nocturnal, which has been stolen. The Daedra believes the thieves to be in Leowin. I am to go there, find the thieves, and return the eye to the shrine. I think that she's related to Meridia. It sounds like the same voice that does Meridia's beacon. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Same slender thighs, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it strikes me now. Uh, for, for the Daedra, who's basically uh, uh, related to thieves a lot, she has a lot of things stolen from her. <laughs> yes, she does. You know, this is the second time the skeleton, you know, Skyrim the skeleton key is also stolen from her. Uh, the gray cow, like, really, you think she'd have a better handle on her stuff? Yeah, or or maybe what she does is she rewards those who steal from her as a test. Maybe, maybe that's what it's. Maybe that, or she needs to hire some more uh, security. Yeah, that might be <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, we are we are off to retrieve the Eye of Nocturnal uh, in hopes that we can get our, our grubby little hands on the skeleton key here. Um, but first, what we're going to be discussing is what's our favorite Daedric weapon or artifact? And in the History Of section, uh, we're going to be talking about the history of breaking lockpicks and what you can do to prevent it from happening to you. And in the Sonarist Archives... 
why this intervention was even necessary. <laughs> Plus, our fan question of the week and an email. Okay, good. I did remember to put that in last night as I was falling asleep at my yeah. computer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, without any further ado, let's uh, let's cut over back to Mark. Uh, the the uh, the first person in in uh, in this era to to claim to be from the Sonarist Guild. Yeah. Well, basically, as I had been saying, on the inside you had this little little blurb. Uh, advertising the Daggerfall Chronicle hint book. And they put it like this. And and where where is this coming from? Uh, this is from the Dagger... This is from an insert from the uh, the CD that came with the... for the original Daggerfall. Alright, so this is in the actual physical copy of, of Daggerfall. Of the game, okay. yeah. You have to buy the game to get this. The original yeah. game, not the... Not, uh, the, not the re-release. Yeah. So, it basically goes... Nestled in the Dragontail Mountains, protected from trespassers by a magic barrier, lies the Cenarist Guild Citadel. Ruled with an iron hand by Nesmit, the Cenarists are Tamriel's troubadours, bards, and minstrels, whose notes and observations have been compiled into a thousand impressive volumes. In the year 370 of the Third Era, Nesmit created an, a sect of Imperial scribes who were charged with recording all historical events, beginning with the defeat of Jaeger Tharn. Smuggled out by an anonymous renegade guild member, the book, now known as the Daggerfall Chronicles, was hidden in the Shrine of the Oracle. The Daggerfall Chronicles grants the reader a guided tour of how to traverse the Daggerfall landscape from a physical, mystical, and historical perspective. This is a must-have survivor's guide to anyone venturing forth in Tamriel, uh, Tamriel's region of Daggerfall. Specific answers within uh, answers to every conceivable question of a Daggerfall player could ever have or contain within. And then it gives you know a list of like maps and whatnot, and then says. The Daggerfall Chronicles may be acquired for a mere pittance of 1995. If your local software purveyor is unable to supply you with a copy, you may be able to convince Bethesda Softworks Direct Mail Department to part with one of theirs, <laughs> and so on and so forth. Like, it, so basically, the Scenario Guild exists so that you can RP someone who actually has the hint book. <laughs> I think uh, next time we have like one of those special guests from Bethesda on, we should ask if they'll give us one. <laughs> I would actually. I've been. I've been looking for for an excuse to sort of uh, ask Matt um, Matt Grandstaff to uh, to come on on Classic and and um, you know chat for a little while. Though I, I'm not exactly sure like what we could do or say to to like justify him giving <laughs> up like an early Sunday morning. <laughs> But um, I, I would, I'd love to have uh, to have Matt back on 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 the show, um, especially for classic because you know he doesn't he doesn't really he doesn't handle the the, the ESO stuff. So yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Um, all right. So so in short, Mike, what does this mean for for classic? Mark. Mark. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I, did I say my? I'm, so, I'm actually yeah. still like <laughs> the reason why. <laughs> the reason why I am I am enjoying my uh, <laughs> pumpkin, <laughs> <laughs> pumpkin spice coffee um, is is because I am still half asleep. <laughs> yeah. So well, I apologize. Ba well, basically, uh, 
I'm going to be calling the segment uh, that I do the Sonaris Archives. And basically what I'll be doing is I'll take some facet of the games that appears in all the different games or even one or two and sort of go over how each game handled that particular aspect. Like, for example, last week we did vampirism. Today we're, uh, we're going to do lockpicking and the skeleton key. So, you know, sort of discuss what the differences from each game were and everything else like that. And so, hence, calling it the Scenarist Archives. I figure, you know, if they can do it, uh, be meta that way, let's do it this way, too. Yeah, that's a cool idea. I like that. It's definitely cool. All right, um, let's, um, let's break into our first discussion point, And that is, what's our favorite Daedric weapon or, or artifact? Now, now, we say weapon or artifact... Um, because, because, uh, why, why Mike? Well, because some of the quest lines give you a Daedric item, such as the ring of her or spellbreaker shield or the lockpick uh, that we are after today that really are Daedric items, uh, but they are not a weapon, uh, in nature. So there's still a very powerful boon given, uh, to, uh, the character. Uh, Musclehead says that Dawnbreaker is his. So, uh, what is ours? And uh, possibly, you know, even, you know, maybe it's something that uh, you're not, it's not your favorite item to have, but it's your favorite quest line to complete, and the item is secondary. Well, um, if, if, I can, if I can sort of call out maybe something that I don't think anyone really knows, is I have to, when I do a playthrough of Skyrim, I have to go after the, uh, the Black Star. Ah, uh, yes. I have to. Oh. I really enjoy the quest, and and more importantly, um, I really enjoy. I really enjoy you know uh, enchanting, and having that. Um, why is that more importantly? <laughs> no, I enjoy enchanting, and and it's it's uh, it's a great boon for enchanting. But more importantly, I I enjoy the quest. It is a hard, hard, hard quest. Oh, especially with the Daedra at the end, when you have to go to that inside the star. Oh, it's insane. It's insane. And and the NPC, the older gentleman that, that sort of, um, you know, gives you the quest to go out there, he's he's always a fun character, too. He's kind of a zany guy. Yeah. So, um, look at that. Just uh, love And all the choices. I mean, if you go and decide to go for the, the Black Star, I mean, you're talking to the guy inside the uh, room at... Um, Wind or um, Winterhold versus if you decide to go with the uh, the uh, Star of Azura, you're actually going back up to the shrine and talking to uh, the Dark Elf there. Yeah. Am I even like damaging this guy? <laughs> oh, he's he's got some kind of crazy. Yeah, this is not going to turn out well for me. Lenswind <laughs> says Molog Balls Mason Skyrim only because the quest is so memorable. Mm. That is that is very very true. Um, let's uh, let's start with uh, with Mark. What uh, what's your what's your favorite? Uh, I would have to go with the Ogum Infinitum. Um, that's it's huh. the the artifact given to you by Hermaeus Mora. Um, it's you know it's this book, and once you read it, it gives you massive boosts to your skills. Um, I like it mostly because. Uh, I like Hermaeus Mora and his great old one vibe to him. <laughs> uh, 
now, now, Rage, I think, might have a problem with you then because he hates Hermaeus Mora after the fact that, you know, he takes forever to say whatever oh, he needs. It's like talking to a tree on you. I don't know. I like that voice. The hard breathing, sort of wet talking one. I, I know. I like that one. It's kind of cool. Um, I also liked how uh, in Skyrim, when they. In, in original Skyrim, when you bump into. Uh, when you're doing the quest and bump into him, all you get is the uh, this sort of nondescript void looking thing. But then once you load on Dragonborn, even. Uh, when you bump into him in Solstheim, time, and when you go back and if you do the uh, the Ogham Infinitum quest again, it replaces it with all these eyes and tentacles just appearing around you and coming out of nowhere. And it's hilarious because if you go to the shrine here in Oblivion, he looks like a giant squid just plopped on a on a pedestal. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's what he looks like in Daggerfall too. Anyone get the feeling that they were playing uh, American McGee's Alice when when they were in his realm? <laughs> oh yeah! Now that you mention it, yeah. I had this really, really weird like callback to to the first uh, the first game that um, that they put out for Alice. You know, back in like the I don't know mm-hmm. early two thousands, late late nineties. Yeah, and I uh, mean, sorry, no, 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 no. Go ahead, yeah. please. I mean, if you if you want to get, I mean, they're technically not labeled as artifacts, but I think that the black books that you get in Dragonborn are also really cool. Just because you get the neat little, you know, you have to go through this dungeon that's connected with them, and then at the end you get to sort of choose this boon uh, that you get from the book. Like, you can get the Daedric Butler. Right. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. The fact that you're not going to kill your own, uh, you know, helpers off there. Lydia will be sworn to carry your burdens forever because you can't blow her up with a fireball. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what about you, Mike? What's your, your favorite Daedric weapon or artifact? And Muscle had a great call out earlier when he was he was talking about um, the uh, Mace of Moloch Ball, right? Uh, that's uh, Lenswin. Uh, that was Mace of Moloch Ball, yeah. And uh, Musclehead was Dawnbreaker. I always pick up Dawnbreaker as like my primary sword, uh, but I really like, even though I don't use it, the uh, Vermina's quest there, where you have to get the uh, the Dream Stride and do all of that and uh, you know, go through uh, the. Uh, the Dawnstar section there with the priest who was a priest of hers and now is a priest of Mara's. That's always my favorite uh, of the uh, quest lines there. And, uh, it, you know, a lot of these quest lines with the Daedra Princes, I never complete, so I don't have the uh, accomplishment yet because I oftentimes find myself siding with, like, the good aspect of it. Uh, you know, don't kill the priest uh, so you don't get to keep the staff. You know, I kill off the cannibals so you don't get the ring of... Uh, Cannibalism, so yeah, and Maria, yeah, yeah, and Maria's quest. Yeah. Uh, don't go and trap the priests so you don't get Molag Ball's mace. Uh, I usually do that, anyways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that one, I'm not, yeah, because I don't feel like you know reviled it's by it. Of, it's and, a priest of Boethia. It, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, and the follower one, I always just pay off somebody to go and touch the uh, the shrine for her. Usually, uh, one of the guys uh, in uh, Windhelm. That you can hire mm-hmm. for five hundred gold because I never really use those characters. Yeah, I usually go with the mage uh, in Riften, the guy waiting in uh, in the tavern there. Ah, uh, yes, Mercurio. Yeah. yeah, I think he's like two hundred gold or something. So it's like, okay, you're the cheapest. 
Uh, Musclehead says, don't forget about the Wabbajack. Yes, the Wabbajack is... Uh, it's a classic. It's a classic. Uh, and uh, the uh, Sanguine Rose, definitely, I love that quest line, uh, the uh, Hangover. You know. No, I and, think that's uh, one of the best quest lines. I was so confused. Oh, I'm sorry. I was I was so confused about uh, by that quest. <laughs> I I really was because I, I was starting this. I'm thinking like, oh, okay, this is going to be um, it's going to be a real interesting quest. And then I'm going through it. I'm like, I'm I'm just so horribly confused. Like, what's going on with me right now? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it totally... Did you actually physically get yourself involved in a drinking contest before you started the quest? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what's this Argonian doing here? Uh oh, Mr. Slabo, I think, is kind of mad at you, uh, Mark. There, that you use oh, Mercurio okay. to, as your blood sacrifice. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just noticed that. <laughs> All right. Um, any anything else coming from the chat room on some of their their favorite Daedric weapons or artifacts? I don't think so. We got the Skull of Corruption from uh, Lemmy Lemure, uh, which is the one. Uh, for the dream stride. So, yeah. Seeing you. All right. Looks like the Argonian uh, has been out in the sun a little while there. He's a little uh, sunburned. Yeah, he's a little, uh, little sunburned there. <laughs> um, as an extension of this discussion, before we break into the history of, what, what game do we personally feel has handled uh, acquiring... Daedric weapons and artifacts the best? That is a really good question. Yeah. I mean, with these ones here in Oblivion, I find many of them to be short, but very memorable. Like, to get uh, the Wabajack, you've got the dogs falling from the sky. You have to steal cheese recipes. Um, I think it's very funny. Uh, Mm -hmm. But some of them, I feel, are very short. Um yeah, you know, like, they, there isn't a lot of like uh, you know make a decision that will impact the rest of the game, right? But Skyrim, like as I was saying, you know, do you want the ring in the mirror? You know, you have to kill off people who are named non-player characters in, um, you know, the major cities. You know, if you decide you don't want to take the ring and you started the quest line, you know, and you kill off the cannibals, all of a sudden, you know, the shopkeeper from. Um, um, I'm blanking on Markarth, you know, if you kill her off because she's one of the feasters, she's no longer around. Yeah. I do like that, um, that Skyrim did make the darker Daedric quests dark so that it actually fit with that, uh, Daedra. You know, Molag Ball isn't, probably shouldn't be asking you to do something that's just like, oh, it's a very neutral thing. Just go, uh, you know, you're, you're not, it, it, it's not going to be a problem. Just go kill uh, some Atronox or something. Yeah, it, it makes sense that he's going to want you to, you know, basically lure one of his enemies there and humiliate the guy because it's Molag Ball. That's sort of his thing. Right. Uh, you know, Nymeria is going to want you to get involved in cannibalism. That this is sort of it's in their wheelhouse, and it. I guess it made the quests feel more like that Daedra, like Sanguine was. You get drunk and wake up and have no clue what happened. Um, her scene, you have to go on a hunt. And, you know, uh, Shergoroth is just awesome in being Shergoroth and just pure madness. So, um, yeah, 
all, of course, you know, fair fair points. But I mean, I'm I'm going to throw this out right now. Um, uh oh, Oblivion says that you're a monster of art because you didn't give gold to the beggars. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of rightly knight are you? <laughs> Help the poor. I'm uh, I'm in an, on an investigation right now. No one's no one's getting anything from me at the moment until I can decipher who's good and, and who's bad. I'm I'm looking at all Argonians. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, luckily, you know, Shank isn't you know telling us here, you know, because I could see him saying just kill off the Argonians, which would make it very difficult to complete the quest. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? <laughs> Uh, oh right, um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now that uh, um, Oblivion is definitely now my favorite Elder Scrolls game. Um, oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, as much as I enjoy enjoy Skyrim, um, and I I love Skyrim, just uh, everything. There's so many things about about Oblivion that I just enjoy more. You know, the setting and the music is is a is a big piece of that. How I how I connect and role play with the world, of course, is is tremendous as well, and it's it's less action oriented than Skyrim is. I enjoy that too. Um, but you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I when I want to play a much more action oriented RPG, um, you know, I'm going to Skyrim. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I I'd get- really love to see a port of this into Skyrim uh, engine. Because as a, you know, I use a controller, and sometimes there's some aspects of it that are really wonky with a controller. Um, you know, that would really up my enjoyment. And you know, we wouldn't have the ugly Khajiit, the ugly Argonians, and the ugly uh, orcs. Although orcs are ugly no matter what game you play. <laughs> well, if, I know that they're doing uh, Skywind and converting things over. I seem to recall hearing something about them yes. doing something similar with Oblivion. Yeah. Trying to bring it over. Although, you know, by the time we get around to it, we'll be on to Elder Scrolls Six, so it won't Yeah, exactly. At which point you'll hear about people trying to bring Skyrim over to it. Yeah. Yeah. With, with, um... With that being said, you know Skywind. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think I think the mechanics would be would be very interesting to see um, with the with the Skyrim engine. Mm-hmm. But as as the game is is written and programmed, um, I haven't ha- I haven't gone after any of these these Daedric weapons or artifacts in in Oblivion. So I can't I can't weigh it based on that. Um, what I can say is is that in regards to what game handles Daedric artifacts the best, um, from what I'm hearing, it seems like you know Oblivion's uh, the the way Oblivion goes into handling Daedric artifacts is like you were saying, you know, you you have uh, you have a quest, it's very quick, you go in there, you you you're out, and then that's it, like kind of like this one here, um, but. Even though it's straightforward right now, I, I have to. I'm doing a lot of like trying to think and look around and investigation because I'm trying to find out who stole this this artifact from yep. Nocturnal. It's not like that in Skyrim, and yeah, I sort yeah. of like no. this approach a little bit better, which made me which made me ask the question. So, you know, back over to I guess um, to guess Mike and then Mark. You know, what, all things being considered, 
Um, how do you think this is this is handled best in um, in from one game to the next? They're completely different between the two games. Um, you know, with Skyrim, it is a much darker aspect. Uh, you get involved with the characters. I feel a lot more. Um, with this, I feel that um, it's kind of like a fetch quest for many of them. Uh, but they do bring you out and give you something to do, and it really... You don't get involved with a character like you have a feeling towards any one character. Um, but they definitely do add flavor to the game and uh, give you interactions in the cities that you would be missing. Yeah, no, I have to, I have to agree with that. I mean, I like the... Um, I like the tone of a lot of the the Skyrim ones, but this, yeah, the the Oblivion ones give you a bit more to do, I guess. Um, one thing though that I kind of in for the Oblivion ones, you have to actively go and you know go to a shrine and activate the quest. With Skyrim, you often stumble across the quests. Like you, you pretty much you're guaranteed to get the the quest from Meridia. Um, but I like that in Daggerfall, you basically, if you wanted an artifact, you actually had to go and put a lot of work in, into even getting the quest. Uh, you had to, you had to find someone to do a summoning ritual. And generally it was something like 200,000 gold to get them to try the ritual. And then there was a chance that it would work. If you did it on the Daedra's summoning day, you had a better chance. Otherwise, it wouldn't, and you kind of would get whoever came. Like you could actually end up having Sheogoroth show up just because it was raining that day. Um, so you actually had to, you had to track down a witch coven, or you had to get high up in the mages guild, or you had to get high up in one of the temples uh, in one of the temper temple ranks. Because for some reason in Daggerfall, the uh, temple of Akatosh and Julianos and all of them, they had no problem summoning Daedric princes for you. So yeah, I kind of I kind of like that little um you know that you actually had to work for it. They weren't just waiting to give you the quest. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you though, Avarun. Oh, that's it's not I had I had nothing really. <laughs> just uh Avarun's giving, trying to up his sneak skills here. Yeah, I I've got an update on the quest here. I'm supposed to uh eavesdrop on these these two uh uh lovely uh Argonian uh women. <laughs> <laughs> uh hopefully uh, are you sure that they're women yeah well <laughs> who knows but <laughs> um, i don't see flowing red hair so clearly not yeah. <laughs> but there's there's flowing spikes maybe that counts oh I, in eso i raise the maybe spine you, oh no 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 uh, don't raise the spine <laughs> maybe if you leave the building and then come back in that might be a good idea so mm-hmm. yeah, I got to eavesdrop on these two talking about the IF Nocturnal, and um, I got to do it from a, a position of non-detection, which I'm not a hundred percent sure on exactly how I'm going to do that as as a. What if the trolls eat it? What? There's someone here. No, there's no one here. <laughs> Damn. Well, shall we move on? Yeah, I guess so. So anyway, uh, <laughs> the history of. Um, uh, sorry, uh, Mike has uh, has gone in and uh, he's he's done a lot of a lot of research regarding regarding the history of breaking lockpicks, something I am extremely familiar with. 
Uh, so without any further ado, as I as I attempt to uh, listen in on on these two uh, fine scaly ladies, um, please, Mike, bring us the the history of. So okay, as uh, we're sitting here uh, today's show, we'll be discussing is uh, slack sleal sweetmeats a delicacy or an everyday fare? Oh wait, no, that's my pitch for the Bosmer cooking show. Um, <laughs> Although if Avarwin can't get it's them a to good talk, thing. it might be a show that we're going to have tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll be talking about the history of breaking lockpicks. Actually, it's the history of Daedric Prince's Nocturnal. Uh, so a reading from Purloin Shadows. Uh, she stood in the center of the circle, a tree of pallid crows her throne, aloof as the witch continued their chanting dropping their robes to prostrate themselves naked before their great mistress. Wrapping her night cloak around her, she smiled at their song. It spoke of her mystery, of veiled beauty, of eternal shadow and a divine future where the sun burns no more. Nocturnal let her cloak slide from her shoulders and was naked. Her witches did not raise their heads from the ground, but continued to hymn their darkness. So, purloined shadows. Um... As for the game, as uh, the Thieves' Guild, uh, Nocturnal is uh, veiled from uh, our view. So there's not a lot about her that uh, we can find. There's a couple books talking about her. Uh, we get to talk to her directly in Skyrim and here in Oblivion. Um, she appears as a female uh, versus, you know, as we know, most of the Daedric Princes are androgynous. They can appear male or female uh, as they choose. Uh, but she off, always appears as a female in the games. Uh, the statues to her are carved as a beautiful young lady draped in dark silks. Um, many people love the Skyrim version with the very revealing, very plunging neckline of uh, her robes. Uh, but in the book, she's oftentimes uh, described as an old hag, maybe even described as a hag raven. Uh, this aspect is reinforced uh, by the presence of the nether niece. Uh, if you've ever pl- if anybody has played uh, Elder Scrolls Online, uh, this is the uh, Crowswood where you go to uh, meet the Crow's mother, uh, who is a Hagraven, and um, she is the nether niece of Nocturnal. So she's oftentimes portrayed as a Hagraven in addition to the beautiful young lady. Mm. I'd rather have the uh, the other, the latter rather than the former. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. Hagravens um, are not hot. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. But I thought I found that very, you know, uh, interesting to see that, uh, you know, the nether niece aspect that they brought into ESO. Now, in Skyrim and Oblivion, you can find a book. Um, let me see if I can get the name of this pronounced right. The Song of Romir, or Romir. It's got a, that H with the R right in front of it. Mm. Romir. Uh, Romir. Romir. <laughs> Romeo. <laughs> uh, and from that one, it's a poetic verse, so hopefully I don't butcher the rhythmic scale on it, but Mighty Caster of Magic, I charge thee, go to Elfindor, for its hoary warriors do threaten my land, and bring forth their cousin demons to terrify my people. Hormir, son of Horar, heard the words of Jendrak, even snow, by Istaf. Surely I would help thee, but I have already a quest to drink twelve flagons of mead in one hour, and then to bed four wenches, 
twice each. So I must wow. with this decline. Now this is a Nord that I can get you know behind. This is a nice quest. Where do you pick that one up? Yeah. Where's yeah. It? Oh, here, wait, hold on, wait. What are we doing? We we um is it is it two maidens at a time or a Nord once behind? What, what are we going on? Well, going I can on? get behind the, the two maidens at a time and the twelve flags of meat. <laughs> what are we saying here? This is a family show. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so the hero, uh, Hormir, went forth to a place called Elfendor. And while Hormir took the withered claw of Hag and pressed it to his lips, shadowy Hag, to thee I pledge to honor thee thy black words, to turn my back on truth, to avoid the dark king's ambition, to divide their inheritance fairly, to thee, to thee, to think thee love beautiful. Then the chamber of the the night mother, Horthmere the hag, did retire, kissed her there, her wrinkled lips, her wrinkled, sagging breasts. For ten days and nights and three did Hormir and his ice staff battle thus. Hormir the mighty did not quail. We're in thy fight, hood. Fight through it, Mike. Fight through it. You can do this. Yeah. <laughs> Wrinkled staves and <laughs> sagging what? Staves and ten days, ten nights plus three. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Wherefore, thine hood, shadowy hag, mortal man has taken it from me unaware. So, this uh, very much uh, Romeo uh, type character, or uh, uh, I don't know, he's uh, betting, you know, four wenches and drinking 12 flags of mead to bed uh, nocturnal in her. Uh, had Raven form for ten nights and ten days plus three with his ice staff. Good he uh, finally ends up stealing uh, her hood. And uh, so it's another uh, uh, indicator that uh, she likes to have her stuff stolen, seemingly her clothes. Because both in the Song of Formir and Purloin Shadow, uh, a uh, person has managed to steal her uh, cloak or her hood or the uh, cowl, as it's called, of the uh, gray fox. Uh, one true theft, the other through uh, wooing her to take her unaware. <laughs> For some reason, I um, the last little bit, though, I read that more as, you know, he does all the work, and uh, it's there, okay, where's your hood? Oh, it's already someone already took it. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh wait, no. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> that. I don't know about you guys, but after that, I need a cold shower. <laughs> so much for co- hot coffee, huh? Yeah, exactly. I felt like I just read a Harlequin novel from the eighties. <laughs> it, it makes the lusty Argonian look uh, very tame in tame. comparison. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah, right. This, this is stuff that's always been in the game series. I mean, Daggerfall. You could you could put on spiked bras and cat suits. I mean. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Pixelated uh, uh, Minecraft, though. Yeah. <laughs> mm, troll. <laughs> now that we can all uh, compose ourselves here, uh, Nocturnal is depicted as a young woman yeah. with the omnipresent murder of crows. Uh, even the statue it showed the crow perched on her shoulders there. Uh, once again, if you go to ESO and you go to Crowswood, you can meet the Court of Crows. Uh, and you can actually talk to some of the members of her murder of crows. 
Yeah, I was actually sort of wondering um, about about that the uh, the the connection between the the crows that were on her her uh, her arms at that shrine. Yeah. Uh, so, like many of the Daedric princes, she ha- her realm um, of oblivion contains many sub realms within it, and the crows that are associated with her, the murder of crows, the count of crows, uh, they reside in this crowswood. Uh, within her sub realm in Oblivion. Yeah, that's a beautiful instance, by the way. I don't know if you guys. Oh yeah, I'm actually working on a painting on that one right now. Oh, oh. oh man, I'd love to see that when you're done. That's I, I love that instance. And I'll tell you, that is one hard instance to get through. No matter if it's the VR or the regular, to get all of the characters between all the wolves, the bears, the crows, yeah, the wisp, the uh, Daedra. No, and then to make the decision, you know, who's in the right, the uh, nether niece or uh, the uh, mage who uh, went to her for power. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful place inside ESO. All right. So, so uh, where, let's see. So, so continuing on, I suppose. So where are you in the quest? Um, I am in the, the cave. What's the name of this cave? Um. I had it too. <laughs> Tidewater Cave. Tidewater Cave. Okay. Tidewater so cave. you've encountered the Argonians and figured out where they've hidden stuff. That's right. All I had to do was just sort of, you know, stroll in there and, and not move at all and, and they didn't uh they didn't find me, so ah. but I gotta uh I gotta heal up quite a bit because uh, I see some 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 bears in here that I I'm gonna have to fight off. So a murder of crows, uh just in the, from the chat room, uh, a murder of crows is what you call a, a flock of crows when they're grouped together. So, oh, okay. Yeah, that's where that comes from. That's the actual term that we use in you know, our speech. Yeah. We talk about a group of birds together like that that are crows or ravens. I wonder how that uh, that got started. I have no idea. But I do know that uh, the ravens in the uh, Tower of London that they have backup ravens and ravens on standby and everything else because there's a legend that the monarchy will fall if the uh, the uh, blackbirds from uh, the tower were to ever disappear or flee from the tower. So they're very important in, you know, our own culture. Yeah, they've, yeah, they've, they've always had, and that's probably why that they're, they're present in, um, you know, with with this one particular character, uh, Nocturnal, because you know they, they there is there is that symbology that carries over from um, from a lot of our stuff. I mean, Edgar Allan yeah. Poe, the Crow, uh, the Raven tapping on his window. Mm-hmm. So these dark black birds, you know, definitely, you know, there's no color to them at all. All right, uh, yeah. oh, man. So and they're very smart birds too. I understand that many of them have like picked up kind of like tool use almost. Uh, you know, where they you know yeah. can learn to do things that uh, many other animals and other birds can't do. So hmm. okay, so nocturnal lacks a true priesthood. Um, most of her fo- she holds the most followers, though, in her sway. So all of the thieves throughout the realms uh, have some aspect uh, pray to her for luck, for uh, maintenance of the thieves' guild, for you know, 
uh, success on whatever they're trying to steal. So, you know, it's believed that of all of the uh, Daedric Princes that she has the largest of the following, even though she lacks a true priesthood. Really? Well, I guess because of oh. all the thieves, right? Yeah. Now, she does have three champions, uh, which are the Nightingales, uh, that we meet in Skyrim, but they're not really talked about in the other games, so that's pretty interesting. That uh, well, Daggerfall, ha- well, Daggerfall actually mentions the Nightingales uh, a bit. They've got, they've got a book in there that talk about them, sort of as a legend. Um, and actually, uh, there's apparently a bard that was named Nightingale, uh, who was supposed... I, supposedly, he was actually Jaeger Tharn in disguise, and this is how he first got his hands on the uh, the staff that he used to throw Uriel Septimin into uh, Oblivion. And this is what caused the events of uh, Arena, Arena to happen. Yeah. yeah. But in no way is the Bard Nightingale associated yeah, well, with the Nightingale, so... Yeah. There's yeah exactly Other they actually the comment on me. the confusion between them yeah which confused me for a long time when I started reading the books originally was like okay is he a nightingale or you know who is he um, and then you know the depictions depending on uh, which of the books you read you know with him associated as Jaegertharn or just a lover that they decided to call Jaegertharn in the end because uh, you know only a powerful person like him could. Uh, uh, confuse and beguile um, Baron Zaya, you know, mm-hmm. and not some, you know, stray thief. Now, Nocturnal does have a plethora of artifacts. Uh, the Cowl of Nocturnal, which is uh, talked about in the two books that we've already covered uh, with her, uh, the Purloined Shadows and the Song of Hormir. Uh, it is also the primary Daedric artifact that you get here for the Thieves' Guild in Oblivion. Uh, so the Grey Cowl, you'll become the Grey Fox. Um, and pretty much it wipes out anybody knowing who you are uh, once you donate. So, so, so uh, the Grey Cowl is associated with Nocturnal as well? Yep. I yeah. didn't know that. No, that's It has the... In, it, sorry, it currently has a... When you start, when you meet the Grey Fox, it has a curse that basically anyone who wears it, their original, uh, their original, um, people never recognize them as who they are. They can't basically escape the ident- being known as the Grey Fox, and that's a curse she put on it because it was stolen from her. It's the same way that in, uh, in Skyrim, she cursed the Thieves' Guild and the Nightingales for loot for letting the skeleton key get stolen. You know, she took away their luck. Yet again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yet again. <laughs> yeah. And some, speaking of the skeleton key, yeah. uh, from the book Nightingale, The Nightingales, the skeleton key is often misunderstood artifact. Those that seek to possess it tend to use it only a fraction of its power, potential. Most mistake it for a unique and unbreakable lockpick. While this is true, the wonder of this device can only be appreciated once the owner is willing to expand his mind and abstract what defines unlocking. This action refers to more than simple doors and portals. In the proper hands, the skeleton key has the capability of unlocking hidden potential and untapped abilities. The extent of this power has yet to be discovered, which is a frightening thought if it ever fell into the wrong hands. 
And we can see this when uh, Mercer Frey gets a hold of the skeleton key and what he's able to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, unlock those doors that uh, with you need the dragon claws for. You know, the ability, you know, it's believed to unlock potential psychic power, or, uh, the psyche of people, magical powers that are latent and locked away. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's uh, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And, and now, now, where where did you you pull this information from? Because I'm trying to, I'm wondering if maybe this was a, uh, if they were making, um, if they were foreshadowing the events in Skyrim with Mercer Frey with that. Yeah, this is a, a book called The Nightingales, uh, and I'll put all the links for the Imperial Library books uh, once again. Post them on uh, Twitter at the end of the show, um, so that uh, people can uh, read the whole books, not just the excerpts that I've taken. Okay. So. Uh, and Musclehead says, I've never done the Thieves Guild in Skyrim. It is one of the most memorable uh, faction quests out there, I'd say. Oh, it's, mm-hmm. it's very, very good, yeah. Uh, it's very long. Mark and myself were talking about how uh, it can be almost dauntingly long with all of the ri- or, um, reestablishing the guild quest that you add to the main storyline of the uh, Thieves Guild. Yeah. Because it's really two separate storylines. Yeah, but the main question is just, it's fantastic. It really is an interesting one. Uh, return of the Skeleton Key, the Becoming a Nightingale Yourself. Now, that's the main quest line associated with the Thieves' Guild. But then there's the you becoming the Guild Master of the Thieves' Guild, which is a secondary quest associated with the Thieves' Guild. And that one is the one that many people find daunting. Very rewarding, too, because you get... Mm-hmm. Um, you you get not only the uh, the thieves armor set out of that, but you also get the nightingale set. Yeah, yeah. Which I think and a lot of people of sort fences of that you get. So all of that stolen loot that you you know happen to pick up. Yeah. To procurement. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Which, which would be interesting when ESO comes out because you know I don't know if I'm going to be able to play with you and Liz and Jonesy after you know all of you guys wanting to be uh, you know good guys there and. Uh, yeah, just you know, uh, stealing everything. <laughs> don't uh, don't don't uh, don't do anything in front of us while we've got our tabards on. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, every time you complete one of the main quest lines to towards the skeleton key concept in Skyrim, you open up another uh, fence. So I mean, you get the fence in White Run, the fence in Solitude, the fence in. Um, you get another. You get the fence in the thieves' guild in Riften, um, but then when you do the ones to um, further the guild, that's when you get the fence in Windhelm, the fence in Markarth. Um, that those become available when you have to do the do five jobs in White Run and then the special job, do five jobs in Solitude, do the special job. Um, that's what people find daunting is you know you go there you do one quick job and then you have to walk all the way back to Riften to turn it in. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it gets to be a lot. Yeah, and getting the the right job to actually progress in that town. Right. Yeah. All right. Um. So so con- continuing on forward, uh, what else do we do we have here? And then she has one more uh, that uh, is talked about in books, and this is from Tamrielic Artifacts, and this is the Bow of Shadows. Legend has it that the Bow of Shadows was forged by the Daedra Nocturnal, the legendary ranger Rallus Gale was granted the bow for a secret mission that failed, and the bow was lost. Rallus did not go down without a hearty fight 
and is said to have, with the aid of the bow, taken scores of his foes with him. The bow grants the user the ability of invisibility and increased speed. Many sightings of the Bow of Shadows have been reported, and it is even said that the sinister Dark Elf Assassin of the Second Era, Dram, once wielded this bow. So it's one that we have not seen in the modern games, uh, but is talked about. So it'd be, I think, a really cool thing to come across. You know, mm-hmm. invisibility and increased speed. Yeah, especially in the in the next uh, in the next game. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so that that is the uh, the history of, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Now it's on to uh, the Cenarist archives here. Oh, one last thing that we have to talk about because it is oh. very important. Uh, oh, sorry Wigan, about that. You hear this a lot, uh, and this comes from Hiding in the Shadows. These criminals okay. recognize that should they offend the Mistress of Shadows, it might go poorly for them. However, true worship and fealty does not have to have any known benefit. The classic blessing between thieves is shadow hide you and this is an oblique reference to nocturnal and so whenever you talk to any of the thieves guild members in oblivion when you leave them and you're ready to say goodbye that's what they say shadow hide you so now we know where it comes from there you go mm-hmm. now and that that was revealed in in skyrim right the, uh, that's that's been the, the only hiding in shadows. No, uh, no. is a book, and uh, it's here in Oblivion. Oh, okay. All right. So, so that's why you see them in Skyrim saying saying shadow hide you. It's so they they did they do make mention of it in uh, in in, the, in Oblivion. Yeah. Okay. Whenever you like talk to the fence or uh, any of the other thieves guild members, that's they're going to say shadow hide you and. Uh, it's a reference to nocturnal. Okay. All right. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So again, uh, <laughs> into the scenarist archives. Uh, sorry about that, Mike. That's okay. Uh, so uh, let's uh, let's move on in now. Now we've got um, the 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 skeleton key here, as it pertains to um, Arena Daggerfall Morrowind. Oblivion, and then into into Skyrim uh, as well. So, uh, Mark? Mm-hmm. Well, basically, <laughs> well, frankly, we're doing this because the lockpicking in Oblivion is is such a... It's a terrible minigame, to be honest. I, I, I can't stand it. Yeah, I don't and even so, use it. <laughs> you know, and so, basically, I decided, let's take a look at um, how previous games have handled lockpicking and the key. Um just quickly about what uh, Mike's discussion about the key. It's it's interesting because in the in Daggerfall and Arena, it was called the Skeletons Key for some reason. They they eventually dropped that, but it was specifically cursed that well, or wizards in order to protect their their storehouses had uh, woven two spells around it. The first one was that it could only be used once a day. And the second one was that it wouldn't remain in the hands of a given thief for very long. It would eventually disappear. So um, this was stuff that was dropped uh, actually in Oblivion. Um, But it stayed fairly constant for Arena and Daggerfall. Um, For Arena, though, uh, lockpicking has been in the the system or in the the series since Arena. Uh, But Arena was a more typical RPG. 
uh, you picked your class, you picked your race, and then you were sent into the world. It didn't have the uh, the skills system that is so iconic of the Elder Scrolls series. So instead, every class had a base lock-picking chance that would never really improve as you went up in level. Every single class that wasn't a thief, sk- a thief class or a knight blade had a flat 25% chance of picking a lock. Um, then you had thief classes were generally around 50%. Assassins had a 40% chance. Burglars had a 100% chance. And just the thief class itself had a 67% chance. Huh. Because, you know, round numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then when we got to Daggerfall, they decided, okay, well, let's switch it up. Let's try this skill system where we're not going to link your leveling to your XP, to killing things and getting XP. We're going to link it to actually using a skill, and that will level things up. So in Daggerfall, lockpicking became a unique skill, and when you went to use it, uh, you could try to pick something, and if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, too bad. You're going to have to just beat the, beat the door down. I wish you could still beat the door down, yeah, sometimes. Oh, that, w- that would be a fantastic thing to have. But unfortunately, for, they decided to take it out. No, I, I really uh, like that mechanic. I, I, it was a lot. When I encountered it in, um, in Daggerfall, tracking down a, uh, a thief, I couldn't, I couldn't lockpick the door at night. And, and the NPC, who, who was a thief, um, was you know hiding inside of his house. So I was frustrated. I didn't know what else to do. So I took out an axe and I started hitting the door. But I actually ended up knocking it down. I was very pleasantly surprised that that existed in the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was one of the fun things is that, you know, you're playing the big knight. You're not going to pick the lock. You're going to kick the door and then go after him. Um, (laughs) Foiled by an ancient lock. (laughs) (laughs) Foiled by a very simple lock. Uh, But that was sort of one of the things is that because lockpicking was a you succeed or you fail thing, they added in the beating it down as your alternative. It's just that beating down a door caused a lot of noise and alerted everyone in the area that you were there and that you were doing it. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So, and it would, you know, really beat your weapon to crap very quickly. (laughs) Um, Actually, going uh, into what Mike had said about the skeleton key, uh, unlocking potential, the key in Daggerfall actually would give you a plus 15 to your dodge. So having it made you harder to hit, just just holding it. Wow. Um, when Morrowind came around, though, they just they they changed things up a bit, and they made it that uh, they gave they turned lockpicking into the security skill, and they took out. I think I see why they took out beating down doors. It's because they then gave you the ability to keep trying to pick a lock. But they gave they did that by giving you uh, lock picks, and each pick had a limited number of tries. Um, so I guess it was a balance thing that if we're giving you multiple chances to pick this lock, and you can keep doing till you're through it, we're not going to give you the option to knock things out over. Which I think that wasn't a great trade off, but there it is. Yeah, but it might have also have promoted and helped. Um thieves be uh, people who wanted to play a thief uh, give them more opportunity to level up their security skill and their lockpicking skill. Oh, it did, but then it also took away if you didn't want to play a thief, if you wanted to play the big kick-down-a-door type character, you couldn't. You had to learn to pick locks Right. if you wanted to get into certain things. 
Um, but basically, they gave you... You had to take your pick. You equipped it like a weapon, and then just hit, kept hitting the button until you popped the, the lock. And you had to have a certain security skill in order to even try to pick a, uh, a certain types of locks. If you didn't have the skill level, you couldn't even try. And they folded it in with the, uh, the ability to disarm traps into it, because they also gave you probes. Um, and, of course, each one would break after 50 tries. Yeah. Then when we got to Oblivion, they decided, let's turn this into a minigame, and then made the crappiest minigame in the world. Yeah. And I think they should have sent a coupon with that for a free mouse and keyboard replacement. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> controller, TV, you know, for, for yeah. controller, <laughs> TV. You remember when you guys were uh, were young and you were playing, um, you know, old NES games? Mm-hmm. And you got angry and... and <laughs> you like, threw it down. Threw the controller. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's like, you know, uh, the struggle is real moments right there, you know? Yeah. Uh, now, those, my- when I was growing up, we had uh, the old joysticks. You know, you had the the base with the but the red button and the joystick with another button on top. Yeah. My dad used to play. Now, my dad is a very big man. Um, you know, six five, three hundred pounds. You know, let's see where this uh, is going already. You know, you know, in the air force. You know, mm-hmm. uh, very physical type of presence. And uh, we had a game where you had to move the joystick back and forth to make your character ski. And it had to be rhythmical. And it was an Olympics game or something. And I remember seeing him rip the joystick hand part off of the base because he got so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there are, I still have my old, my old uh, Nintendo controller from the 80s. When I, I, when I was a child, I used to get so angry playing like... You know those old those old games. I would bite the controller. <laughs> There's still teeth marks. I still have that controller. It's like freaking thirty years old. There's still little like little teeth marks on, on the controller. <laughs> Lock picking in Oblivion. I'm surprised there's not teeth marks on my keyboard. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, because okay, I get so the truth comes out. It's that, not Brago who's chewing through your tweaked audio. <laughs> no, it's 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 me. Like, damn it! Damn freaking lockpicks! <laughs> so, all right, continue, uh, please, Mark. <laughs> no, no problem. And you know, switching over to the most frustrating mini game in the world, they decided, okay, lockpicks just break whenever you make a mistake in it. So, of course, you know, you now have the, I have 100 lock picks. I'm going to try this simple lock. I have five left. Um, and basically, uh, it, the whole point of it was get all, four, you know, get all your pins up. If you make a mistake, you might have more than one pin drop. And the better you, are, you were with the skill, the easier it was. And I went in and I looked into exactly how does... How is it supposed to work? And supposedly, and of course, you're just getting the, the pick now, so this is kind of late. But every time you go to hit a pin up, it either goes really fast or slow. When it's slow, you have to wait until it hits the top of the, of the um, you know, when it, when it hits the top of its arc and just hit your button. It sounds simple. I don't think anyone is going to say it is simple. No, it's not simple at no. all. Um. The, the key here, uh, sorry, the skeleton key here also in, 
being the only unbreakable pick in the game and thus making it much easier, it also adds 40 to your security skill. So it makes it much easier to get through anyway. But I think anyone that picks up this pick is just going to keep smacking the auto try button when they're picking That's exactly a lock. exactly what I do. Works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now Varwin actually has to go pick some locks now that he has it. Oh, absolutely. So, so you know, then we went over to Skyrim, and which they decided, okay, well, let's let's try making the mini game fun this time around. And so they turned it into you had to rotate your pick to the appropriate spot and apply torque, depending on how difficult it was in your skill. Uh, your lock pick would break, but at least it wasn't as frustrating as, you know, a broken pick meant you at least had an idea as to where you were, you know, what was your pick in the right place? Were you close to the sweet spot? Were you not? And, and the, the vibration through, if you play with the controller, the vibration through the controller. Oh, exactly. And the security skill now actually gave you extra perks that you could select to sort of customize your ability with that. Um, and frankly, the whole thing was lifted directly out of Bethesda's Fallout 3. Yeah, which yeah. which was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you know, it was a good system there. It's a good system here. Uh, the skeleton key, of course, shows up. Uh, it acts as an unbreakable lockpick in Skyrim, but that's it. And unfortunately, being part of the Thieves' Guild, it's put into the Thieves' Guild quest in a way that you have a choice. You can complete the Thieves' Guild quest line and its storyline or you can keep the key and just, you know, never finish that storyline. Which uh, I don't think any, I don't think uh, was a very good choice, personally. No, I, I, we were talking about that, um, you know, off air just before the show. And, you know, I don't think anyone here really enjoyed the fact that you, you either had to choose between keeping that thing or completing the quest, which was a very, very long quest and you didn't yeah. see the end of the storyline either if you didn't complete the quest so it was like you know for me it didn't even dawn on me to keep the key i was just like oh here it is because i want to see what's going on when i get my rewards i didn't even realize you could use the key in it i never tried i just went and dropped it off because well yeah, that's kind that's, of part of the quest right that's what you've got to do yeah um but i, I think it would have been a much better idea to to get the key and then <laughs> Uh, complete the quest, complete the storyline, see all of, of what happens at the end of the story, and then sort of incentivize people in to maybe steal the key back? I Honestly, I would have just liked that if you decided not to put the key back, that the other characters in the Thieves' Guild actually react to the fact that you haven't. That, you know, it's like, you know, we gave you the key, why haven't you dropped it off? You know, why haven't you put it back yet? Or... You know, maybe you have me- divine messages while you sleep telling you put it back or or something. Or even like maybe if you put it back and she says, you know, you've passed my test mortal and, you know, you know, yeah, here, keep it. you know, yes. uh, you're to be the, the holder of the key for the rest of your life. Yeah, I was yeah. I was just going to say, like, how how about maybe they one of the rewards is is to have the key. Yeah. 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 So. Um, now, it, but then again, it was also one of the weaker versions of the key in that it didn't it basically just meant that as long as you had the key you never had to have any other lock picks but if you still reached a break point like you just ha- were trying to 
uh, apply to- uh, torque in a in the wrong spot that wasn't the sweet spot, it would still break, and you'd have to go and find the sweet spot again. It like it would break off, and you'd have to you know, start again. It wasn't a case of just you could keep applying torque and just move it until you had the right spot. The other thing with Skyrim is in the uh, lockpicking skill line, they did give you one option to make your picks unbreakable. So that's probably why they did. Yeah. Wow, that was quite a hit there, Varun. You sent oh, him nice. flying. Yeah, um, I... I <laughs> you know, uh, Thanks. To really give you that option is that you didn't need to have the skeleton key because you already could make unbreakable picks. Yeah. And that's you know, and that's probably the reason why too. But I would, they already they already said that it gave you the ability to unlock things further, and yeah. since your character is the Dragonborn, you would kind of hope that 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 they would then take that to mean, well, let's you know, since you can already get a bro- an unbreakable pick, let's explore the unlocking potential further. Yeah. You know, let's let's give it you some different shouts or whatnot that you get because you have the pick. So, yeah, it was it, it was it was it was what it was. It's hopefully in the next game they deal with it better. I do know that when they switched over to ESO, uh, they, you know, they the new lock picking system there is reminiscent of the one in Oblivion, except for it's actually quick and fun. Yeah, it's a lot easier, and you know, I break a pick every so often, but it's nowhere near as hard as either. Skyrim or, you know, the insane Oblivion one either, so. Yeah, I, I don't find it becomes, like, unlike Oblivion, it doesn't become tedious. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, and there's just the right amount of, it, that, that, that's just, I hated it from, from, from the very beginning, I hated that lockpicking system in ESL, but it's, it's grown on me, and I, I, uh, I quite like it now. How do you ever mm-hmm. pick any locks in ESO? Uh, Liz, you know, runs off and takes all the chests. <laughs> that's thrown on him. He hasn't had to deal with it. Lizzie, she she deserves it. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> now, I, I'd like to point out, you know, we said, okay, if I would go pick some locks now that we have the skeleton key. Anybody else would have gone to a city and, like, broken into everybody else's house? No. Yeah, but no. He has to go diving through an Elliot ruin looking for a locked door or a locked chest. <laughs> My character would have been, like, rolling in dough right now because mm-hmm. the entire Imperial City would be, like, emptied. <laughs> yeah, but no, Varwin's playing no, this character. In, yeah. Instead of Varwin's in here trying to kill trolls. Killing trolls, <laughs> looking for a locked chest. Yeah. <laughs> have unbreakable pick, go kill trolls. Go kill trolls. <laughs> That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't take the boy out of the country. Yeah. yeah. So that's basically the history of lockpicking in this game. You know, how it's changed over time and evolved. Like, awesome, man. I, 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 I really... I'm sorry, go ahead, please. No, no, look, I like that they've gone to many games, and thankfully they've learned since introducing them. But, yeah. I like this little section that, um, that you're doing. And uh, it was a great idea, and I'm, I'm, glad you, uh, I'm glad you put it in here. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what we do next week. Yeah, exactly. Um, or ne- next next show. Yeah, so. ne- next episode. Next, yeah. Uh, oh boy, this is probably a bad idea. So, <laughs> all right, uh, that brings us over to our our fast question of the week. Ready, guys? Yep. Yep. Which test game features your favorite form of lock picking? Mike. Skyrim. Mark. I say you so. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Skyrim on that. 
Um, so, since Mark is different than um, than Mike and I, why why ESO? Well, basically, I just find that it's quick, it's smooth, it's or you know you got you have that time limit, but it doesn't drag on. You take your t- uh, basically. Once you understand how it works, it's more of a little fun little thing to do to to just find you know to get it open and you get the little reward at the end. Um, I I guess I I like that it doesn't become a time sink. You know, like I like Skyrim's as well, but I like that the ESO one goes by fairly quickly. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. All right. Very good. Um. I think I think ESO's lockpicking system works because it's an MMO, and that's that's mm-hmm. the reason why it was it was developed that way. You know, you've got the little time bar in there, and you know that's to make sure that you don't you know sit on the um, on the chest doing nothing or taking you forever. Kill yourself. Exactly. You have like no life left. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that's one of the things that that makes it work for it. Hmm. Makes, yeah. I do like the Skyrim one. I you know, but the fact is, it's it's out of Fallout. I mean, I like I like how it's done, but I kind of like the the actual having the pick. You know that you are. I like how it's what Oblivion wanted to be. That it feels like you are trying to pick the lock itself. Now I like Skyrim because, like, if you were to try and pick a lock in real life, okay. You're not going to be able to see the inside tumblers. You're not, you know, it has to all be by feel. Um, and you can take your time with it. I mean, the, the clock on ESO, I understand it's there because they don't want you sitting on it. And, you know, you know people are going to complain that, oh, wow, they're following you out. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're not, you know, <laughs> your battle's not going to stop for you like it does in Skyrim or Oblivion while you, you know, do a mini game. Yeah. Um, you know, the world continues around in real time. Uh, but you know, to see the tumblers inside, it's like ah, you know. I know. But at the same time, with the one in Skyrim, the the lock you're seeing, that's not exactly the type of lock you'd expect in that period. Yeah, that is true. the The face could have been a better face. <laughs> yeah, and it, and that that's other the other thing is that that face would not have turned. You know, it, this is the type of thing where having the key pushing up the you know that it, that's but that's just sort of more. Visual. You got a point on that, I I suppose, but I I don't know. I I I agree that it could be a better face. I hadn't thought of it until you just mentioned it, actually. Um, but to to be honest, like the reason why I enjoy the the uh, the lockpicking system in Skyrim is because it's it's not so tedious like it is in in Oblivion. Um, mm-hmm. trying to trying to the my my big issue with the lockpicking system in Oblivion is that you have to you have to sort of use your left hand and your right hand using the mouse and keyboard um, in such a unnatural and awkward way. Yeah. It's it's easier on uh, to do on a console. Oh but yeah. Only by a little bit. Uh yeah. Yeah, you're you're spot on with that one. Yeah, you absolutely are. I I have a much easier time lockpicking in Oblivion when I have a controller in my hand, which mm-hmm. is you know I've mentioned that before on on ESOTR. Um, 
but going from the controller to the mouse and keyboard and lock picking here, oh, and, and I, I just, I just don't have, I don't have any rhythm. I think that that might be part of it. You know, I, I have zero rhythm whatsoever. Watching me dance is like watching a pig have a heart attack on its back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like the worst, it's like the most awkward hey, thing that's ever. A new one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I mean it's you know I'm, I, I it's like doing the Carlton, um, mm-hmm. so I, I can't I can't you know I can't do it it's it's very very hard for me but but you know uh, the way it works out in Skyrim a lot easier and and I I appreciate the way how that how that works out so oh yeah all right um email okay so email we have an email. Uh, this is, it's not about lockpicking, but, um, I think it's, uh, sort of, sort of in this, in the same, like, what, I guess, mechanics, uh, mechanics vein, right? Uh, but it, it brings up a really, really good idea. So our email today comes from Musclehead007, who is in the chat room. So hello, Musclehead. Hello and greetings, classic crew. I have another feature I would very much like to be in ES6. While blacksmithing, I would enjoy being able to construct items, and then be able to deconstruct them. If I were to forge a piece of iron boots, I would love to have the ability to deconstruct the boots for scrap. Or, if I were to find an ebony bow in a dungeon, I'm a huge dungeon delver, give Darwin a run for his money, I think I should be able to go to a forge and deconstruct it. Do y'all think that a smithing system like the one found in ESO would be viable in the single-player RPGs? Thanks, and may your roads lead to warm sands, Musclehead007. Yes. Oh, oh, yes. oh, oh look, uh, look, I found a, I found something to pick! I found a chest to pick! Uh-oh, we gotta watch this now. Because <laughs> oh, oh. remember, the stream is always a few seconds behind you. <laughs> <laughs> the- was I a little excited about that? <laughs> Tiny bit. Okay, here you go. <laughs> the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> no, I think it's hilarious. He's actually still using the trying to pick it instead of just hitting the auto, auto attempt. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Well, there, there you have it. Uh, life is complete, and uh, so, so <laughs> I totally derailed, derailed myself. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, you were, you were, uh, you were giving your answer, of course. So, I actually, uh, because I play on PC, I downloaded uh, a number of mods for Skyrim, and one of them is uh, a Skyrim Recycler, I think it's called, uh, where it allows you to, to do just that thing. I mean, I no longer carry a. Uh, a pickaxe with me and mine or anything because, you know, everything gets deconstructed into something. And uh, it is a godsend for, uh, you know, smithing and uh, upgrading your stuff because you can deconstruct any metal item in the game back to its base metal. Uh, and, like, you need two daggers to make an, a bar of iron or a bar of steel or, you know, ebony or whatever the case might be. Uh, and some things like a battle axe or a full set of armor will give you two blocks back. So you may not get as much back as you put into it, which is good, but at least it gives you something back. 
there was a mod I downloaded for Skyrim that did exactly this uh, way back, and it was having the having the ability to to deconstruct this stuff. Um, I mean, there's a forge. There's forges in the game. You yeah, know, you can. Yeah, absolutely. There's smelters in the game. You know, you can absolutely using a smelter take take a piece of armor, throw it in the smelter, melt melt it down, create the iron, create the ore out of it. And uh, create oh, a whole new piece. Room. Yeah, create a whole new piece there. So a uh, piece of armor, which I I was surprised wasn't in the game at the. All right, how do you how do you guys on PC get the cursor to come up in in Oblivion? Because I'm not sure if my game is bugged, but I I have this thing where I oh can't... you just I move it around to the point where it's like beneath where it would normally be beneath the thing. Oh okay. Uh, yeah, me and too. then it'll give you the ability the to audio screen. Something. Yeah. There you go. See? <laughs> I took a ridiculous amount of <laughs> attempts. <laughs> um, just imagine, I mean, the auto attempts there would have taken you, what, 20 attempts to pick that lock? Yeah, that so sounded about 20. Level. Oh, this thing is awesome. I love this. <laughs> and you will never be without it again. No, no, never. I don't think you guys will do a show with me without this, without having it. <laughs> well, at Probably. least Oblivion. You're starting your new character, right? The uh, the sword singer or whatever. You're starting a new character, correct? Um, I have a I have a new character now. Yeah. Uh, so we know the first uh, thing you're going to do when you uh, log into that character <laughs> is is going to be this. No, you're right. You're right. Now that I know exactly what to do and how to do it, I think though the, uh, for the this, I think for the Oblivion one though, you have to be level ten before you can do that quest. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, doesn't that's... take long. Mm-hmm. Only three keyboards and a mouse later. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, my opinion on the on the construction. You know what? Yeah, I I would like to see that. I kind of worry that it takes the necessity of actually going out and and mining ore and like just gathering the materials. You know, because that was actually one of the things I liked about. Uh, Skyrim was going into a, you know finding a mine, going into it, getting everything that I needed, taking that sil- the iron ore and transforming it into gold ore, that type of thing. So, but yeah, I, I actually would like to see something that would allow you to take that extra st- uh, stuff and deconstruct it, especially when you're at that point where you have so much stuff that's worth like one piece is worth more than any merchant in this enti- in the entire town has. Yeah, you know, and you find yourself buying things in order to give them money in order to be able to sell it. Yeah, and especially like you're like, oh, I need you know an ebony ingot to upgrade Dawnbreaker or something like that, and it's like, you know, where's the ebony miner? You're having to buy ebony ingots, and it's like, wait a minute, I've got you know, fifteen ebony daggers in my inventory. Right, right. From getting yourself <laughs> uh, for yeah, for getting yourself the skill uh, or or trying to get yourself up to the skill point to even make the stuff in the first place, you've got. All that in your inventory. Why can't you just melt this stuff down to do exactly to use that for yeah. whatever for an actual item that you would like to keep? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like right now I'm having trouble because you can't smelt down with the one I have for quicksilver ingots, and um, I like to use the ancient Nord stuff, the ones where you get the boss bandits, uh, the bandit chief, and he'll give you that uh, that armor. Yeah. Well, I like the bow that comes with that set, and the arrows, and the um, the sword. 
And so uh, I've upgraded the bow, and as I was saying in one tweet earlier this week, my game glitched, and I was doing thousands of points of damage with this bow. Yeah, so I actually rolled back the save, because I'm like, okay, it's not fun when I can one-shot a dragon out of the air. You know? <laughs> you know I'd like to have some mechanics where it makes it hard, and this glitched bow was just insane. It was supposed to do 150 points of damage, and when I equipped it, the thing was saying that it was doing like 15,000 points of damage. <laughs> I, I had actually ended up having something similar where I had... Um, I, I can't remember what the... Well, basically, uh, if you're... Enchanting dictates how powerful the enchantments you put your on your equipment is. Uh, they also benefit from your level of, like, destruction or something. Yeah. So... If you have and if you have um, things that reduce the amount of, ma- of magicka it takes to use a spell, it also reduces the amount of charges that it takes out of the weapon you're using. So I had um, there's that chaos enchantment you can get on Solstime. Yes. Which every time you pretty hit, much you have the like, jack on anything. Yeah. So I put that onto a uh, onto a weapon. I think it was a sword. Upgraded the sword completely because I had a hundred in blacksmithing, had a hundred in enchanting, so put that on, and had a hundred in destruction and enough uh, enough magic reducing items that I could cast all destruction spells for free. And as a result, every time I hit, I had a fifty percent chance per element of doing like a thousand and fifty four points of damage. And it just it, makes the, the game no fun. Oh, exactly. At that point, the game's over. What can stand? You're playing on legendary, and you're like one-shotting things. <laughs> exactly. I want to. I want to point something out here, and um, that that is that is this. You you said that this lockpick here increases um, what skill by forty? Uh, your security skill. Okay. So the one you're currently using. It's, or if the one, yeah. It's all right. I just want to point out that every lockpick in Oblivion that I have picked. I never get you, you know you you're aware you know when you can you can try and 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 force the pin to stick when it goes up slowly. Yeah. Okay. Since I've gotten this, every time I touch any of these pins, they all go up slowly. That's probably due to the increased insecurity. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's got to it's got to be that. I I didn't know that. I thought it was it was always like that where where it was just this this random um this random chance you had to watch out for and it didn't matter how high any of your skills were. It was you know the 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 uh the the pin going up and the chance of it of it sticking there had had really nothing to do with with any of your skills. Mhm. When you when you did it manually. Um just want to call that out. Yeah, no, it's a nice little effect. Yeah, and I, I guess, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, it, it is kind of rather obvious, I suppose. But um, you know, I didn't really know that that was that was there. <laughs> what the hell? What's going on here? What, what what sort of position have I found myself in? <laughs> All right. Well, guys, um, that uh, that is it, I suppose, for for uh, this this episode of classic Elder Scrolls. Um, this was a huge <laughs> I, the, the falling blades here was, guillotining himself. I, I run up to the blade and I see another one behind me. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> At least you ended up between the two of them and not, you know, under them. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
this was a great episode. It was a huge, huge win. You know, we, we set out to do something and it got accomplished. Uh, so, so, uh, great idea, guys, on, on coming out here and doing this. Uh, final thoughts, starting with Mike. Uh, I really enjoyed, uh, the quest line and, uh, all this research on Nocturnal. And I'm glad now that we're not going to have to hear about breaking lockpicks for any more Oblivion games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe next uh, episode we'll go and we'll uh, look at cheese recipes. Uh, I don't know if you've done that one yet. Uh, uh, a cheese recipe? Yes, with uh, Chiagora. Well, yeah, I'm, I, but a, a whole recipe for for cheese in, in Oblivion? What's that all about? Uh, his uh, quest line, once again, his uh, fascination with uh, cheese making. Uh, his quest line uh, has you go and uh, deal with stinky cheeses. So... <laughs> Because Shiogora. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that's and then how you roll. Dead dogs falling from the sky and everything else. So it's definitely a visually very funny quest line to be on for him. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah. and Mark. Oh, I, no! I had a blast. Uh, it was fun to go over the history of lock picking and seeing just how much it's changed. And you know, this is always a fun quest. The the item's always great. And it was it was neat to see that, you know, uh, the Oblivion version also gives you the ability to fight more trolls. <laughs> um, yes! Yeah, but, you know, this was a blast. All right. Well, um, thank you guys for... Uh, for for uh, putting this, this whole thing together. Um, I appreciate it. I had a great time, like I said. And... Um, Thank you for, for everyone who, who joined in in the chat room today. And if uh, you guys would like to get a hold of us, we can be found on Twitter at, at Evarwin, at sign E-V-A-R-W-Y-N, for our main host here, our troll-killing, lock-picking uh, streamer. Uh, myself, I can be found at K-D-R-Mickey, M-I-C-K-E-Y. And Mark can be found at... At Carnegie Wolf, yep. C A R N A G A N W O L F E. And of course, you can tweet at us at Elder Scrolls O T R and email us at questgamingnetwork at gmail.com. Well, have a great time. Uh, have a great day, everyone. Take care. Be safe. And as always, may the foos be with you.